0: Gospel of John chapter 5, you know, people are watching you every day, you might not realize it, but as you go through this world, people are watching how you're acting, what you're doing, and you're, you, they're not watching if you're going to church, they don't care what, how much Bible you know, they're watching how you act, and, uh, oh, Brother Joker had a great testimony this last week, now, I'm not trying to embarrass you, Brother, but, he was uh, delivering a, a big old roll-off dumpster, which is a big old 30-yard dumpster, Ronnie knows what I'm talking about, a big old roll of 30-yard dumpster, and uh, he's delivering it over to, to a business, and a lady was out there, and she was looking at that truck, and she was looking at how clean the Joker keeps his truck, and how clean it was on the inside. She goes, that must be an old, that, that's a nice truck, and, and our boss said was about three years old. She goes, man, she keeps it, he keeps it so clean and nice. And look how fast he's putting that off and how good a job he's doing. You know what she said? She said, he must be a Christian man. Amen. He must be a good Christian man. And you know what my boss had to say? And I know my boss didn't want to have to say it. My boss said, yes, he is. He, is a good, he goes to church. He's a good Christian man. People can tell how you're acting. You might want them to think you're a Christian, but you've got to act like a Christian, brothers and sisters. You need, you need to live that life so you can uh, preach the gospel like uh, I think St. Francis said preach the gospel, preach the gospel preach the gospel and if necessary use words yeah. and there's a lot of truth into that you know, we're, we're doing a lot more preaching with our action than we are with our mouth so, uh, y'all, it's a very important to live your life and I just am, I'm so proud of Brother Joker that he's living that kind of life and if she really knew how he was she would know not to call him a good Christian I'm just joking brother Man, you know, Joker, you know, you look at us and where we came from, and that's only God, brother. That's the grace of Jesus Christ, because me and Joker grew up together, and I, I feel sorry for any, any of our friends that knew us, because we sure, I, I can't speak for Joker, I was a sorry piece of trash growing up, and it's only by the grace of God I'm worth anything today, and I, I thank the Lord for it. Me and my wife were up at an Elvis Impersonator concert yesterday. And I always have good stories to tell, because you got about 400 old ladies up there just throwing a fit and going crazy. And, and, and he's up there, and it's a young guy, and he's singing, Oh, you know, la 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 la, you know, he's up there, and he's up on the stage, and it's pretty high. I mean, and the ladies, he starts giving away these scarves, and all these ladies, they go running up there, Oh, i got to have a scarf, i got to have a scarf, you know. And they're all up their line and he's, la dee la dee la la la, you know, and he's wiping all this nasty sweat over them and giving them to them. They're, oh, oh. And there was a, this older lady up there, and I said older. She's up there, and she's up there trying to get the scarf. She's up there, and she just swoons, whoosh, and she falls back. And I thought she busted her head open. Because she really fell, and everybody, oh, are you okay? Are you okay, you know? And then she gets up, and she's all, and, she, and then she's got her phone, and she's going to try to take a selfie with him, you know, and he's trying not to laugh. He goes, oh, And she turns the phone around, and she's facing it the wrong way. And he's like, honey, you got to turn the phone around. So she flips it and flips it again, right back to where she. <laughs> I think that the head, that when she hit her head, it kind of knocked her a little loopy, you know. <laughs> I got a scarf. The reason. <laughs> I've got a black sense of humor, if you don't know that. Uh, the church found out years ago that I have a real bad black sense of humor. We went to a play down in Hamilton. I don't know if you remember this, Carolyn. Went to a play down in Hamilton, what was a Tuna Fish play, or what was that, Tuna, which Tuna? Yeah, Greater Tuna, one of the Tuna play, and it was good, I loved the play, I actually loved it, but it was in that little small theater in Hamilton, that little community theater. I mean, it's no bigger than this room for sure, I mean, you're like right there. So they're doing a play, and the guy's doing a good job, and in the play there was a preacher and everything, and he had a pulpit like this set up, and he's sitting up here, and he's trying to do the play, And they had brought a bunch of the people from the, uh, I don't want to say it, but I I, I know they were older. (laughs) But I think someone might have been mentally challenged. But they they bring them up there, and that preacher's up there, the the actor's up there. And I'm watching this play, and this old man's over there. And he stands up like this, and the guy's up there, and he's walking in front of everybody. And then he goes like this, and then he goes, (laughs) boom, right into that. Pulpit, like knocks the pulpit over and everything. And of course, everybody jumps up, are you okay? And he was trying to go to the bathroom and everything. He was okay, he was okay. But I, I would be the first to admit, there was only one person laughing in the theater. <laughs> and it was me. And I could not stop laughing, man. And I was embarrassing myself. I said, man, they're gonna church me. They're gonna say, they're gonna say who was that rude, ball-headed man laughing back there? That was our preacher, you know? You know, I couldn't help it, man. It just seeing him boom like that. And the guy's like, oh! You know, the look on the guy's face. He's trying to do the play and everything. That was the best part of the whole play, but I, I don't think it was... I think they could recreate. Do you remember that, Carolyn? It's <laughs> oh, too many years of watching Three Stooges or something. I don't know. I love that stuff. I just can't... I, anytime somebody... I just have a bad, black sense of humor. Oh, yeah. I can't even tell the story. I'm not going to tell the story on Kathy. I got unheard. It's like that. It's, it's, it's bad. I can't. <laughs> she's, she's like, I'm not telling it. I am not. No, ma'am. No, sir. No way. I love my wife. I do not want a divorce this week. No way. No way. I, 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 I'm. I. Do what, brother? Now that that one is sacred, brother. I can't. I can't tell. No, I love my wife, and that, that's a that's a privileged information, privileged information. But uh, I still give her a hard time about it. Uh, uh, huh? Uh, Good. Make one up in your, make one up in your head. I don't care. She'll lie to you. She's not gonna tell you the truth. Whatever you want to do. Make her, make, her, make the preacher's wife lie in church. That's that's up to you and between you and God. I'm not, I'm not telling that story. <laughs> no, she didn't do. She's never embarrassed herself there. She does good about not embarrassed. I'm the one who embarrasses us. I say stuff, yell stuff out, and everything else. I got a big old mouth, but. Huh? The old lady? No, I was, I was, I was too bent over laughing like this. No, actually, the, the, a lot of people ran up there. I mean, they jumped up real quick, and you know, I, I didn't want to get in the middle and be like, "Are you okay?" You know, be laughing while I'm. At. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not good for nothing. What would I do? I, I don't know any kind of e, e, EMS or, or I'm not an EVAC or ask for Brother Al and Ronnie. I'm not, I don't know. nothing I can't even put a band-aid on. What am I going to know? And there was a lady up there that was singing. They had the full band. I mean, this thing is a big deal. They had a full band. They had, they had people singing behind him and they and introduced all the players and they said, and this lady here, she's an EMS or EVAC or whatever. And did that big fat lady move? No, she didn't move inch. She just sat up there like that. So, if, you know, she's sitting there watching that old lady hit the ground. Why would I want to jump up? You know, she's, she's the only one I know who can do something up there. You know, I mean, I better stop. Y'all going to. That, that's enough of that. I'm in. The, say what? No, none of this. None of this goes on the radio. That's why my Brother Keegan does heavy editing on the radio ministry. John chapter five. I better preach this morning. John chapter five, John chapter five, verse one. And after this there was, was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Now that Bethesda means house of mercy. Verse 3 And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then, first after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease excuse me, he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And I want to preach this morning on a certain man. There verse 5, a certain man. And in verse up. Uh, Verse 4 says, For an angel went down at a certain season. I want to pre- preach on a certain man, a certain season, and a certain Jesus. So we had a pool there at, in Jerusalem. And if you could make it to that pool at a certain season, verse 4, an angel went down at a certain season to the pool and it would trouble the water. And I don't know if they could see the angel or if the angel just appeared and touched the water and it would move and ripple. And then if you were the first one in the water, you stepped in was made whole or whatever disease, disease he had. So you had just... Lots and lots, multitude of, of these uh, impotent folk. It said a great multitude actually in verse 3. And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. This folk who couldn't get around, had diseases of blind, of halt, withered, waiting, waiting, waiting for the moving of the water. And it said about this certain man there in verse 5. And it's a certain man was there and he had been, had this infirmity for thirty and eight years. So I want to say this morning that this certain man was waiting a long time for a miracle. He was waiting a long time for a miracle. Can I be so bold as to say what our Lord and Savior said in Luke chapter 4? He said, there was many lepers were in Israel at the time of Elias the prophet, and none of them was cleansed save Naaman the Syrian. The story of Naaman the Syrian, where Naaman was a Syrian... uh, a commander, and he was sent over to Israel because the prophet Elijah could help him and could heal him up and he, and he said go down into the water dip seven times and when you come up the seventh time you'll be healed and y'all, y'all know the story how he didn't want to do it and then he eventually did it and he was healed and that's a great miracle in the Bible it's a great story I love that story and I love to preach that story but the, but the point of that story Jesus Christ is saying to us there were a lot of other lepers and don't you know they heard about Naaman And don't you know they all went down there and said, hey, Naaman went down there. He dipped seven times and got healed. Don't you know there were a lot of lepers in the next weeks or two that were down there at the Jordan dipping down trying to get healed? And none of them did. Save Naaman is what Jesus Christ said in Luke chapter four. I believe in our God as a God of miracles. And I've seen God in my life work in other people's lives do some miraculous things. But not everybody makes it to the pool. And what I mean by saying about that, brothers and sisters, and I'm trying to be real real polite about it, is is to say that not everybody's going to get that ultimate healing. Not everybody's going to get the miracle. Jesus Christ himself said there was was a lot of lepers in that time, but only Naaman's the one that that got cleansed. So there's a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ, and a lot of us get cancer. A lot of us deal with a lot, of, a lot of heartache, and we see God work in some miraculous ways. But man, for every miracle I've seen God do, I can point to 20, 100 that didn't get the miracle. I'm trying to say is not everybody gets down to the pool. Not everybody gets down to the pool, but, but I got some great news for you this morning. Everybody, everyone has access to eternal life. Everyone gets eternal life. Everyone doesn't have to wait for eternal life. Everybody doesn't have to wait for the the healing. There's no waiting in Jesus Christ. There's no waiting in Jesus Christ. And that's that's the point I'm trying to make with this is that this man was waiting 38 years, but when you come when it comes to Jesus Christ, there's no waiting. There's no waiting with Jesus Christ. There's no certain season. It said there back in verse uh, 4, for an angel went down at a certain season. There's not a certain time you have to wait to get saved. There's not a certain time you have to wait to come to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's right now. It's, a, it's, not a, it's not, you don't have to be a certain man, or you don't have to wait a certain season, you don't have to go to a certain pool, there's no great multitude of crowds you have to put up with, it's right now you can get saved in Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you that if I was to heal you up, and I was to come down and pray with you, and God in His miraculous of love and mercy was to heal you up of whatever disease you have, you're still eventually going to die. And, This man here, he's going to get healed up. We're about to see, he eventually dies. Lazarus, one of the greatest miracles in the Bible, came forth from the dead. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And he still went right back in the grave later on. We're all going to die, brothers and sisters, but are you going to die having eternal life, going up to heaven to meet your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, or will you die without Jesus Christ, without God, and go to a devil's hell? That's the question this morning. But there's no waiting for Jesus Christ. The Bible says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. That's 2 Corinthians 6 2. Guys, we don't have to wait for Jesus Christ, He'll give it to you right now. You don't have to wait. You can get saved right now, you don't have to wait for the invitation. If you don't know for sure if you're going to go to heaven or hell, don't wait on us. Don't wait on us to give you an invitation. You're in that pew. Pray and ask Jesus Christ to save you the best way you know how. He'll save you right there. Man, I've had people say, well, I I want to go down there, but y'all... I need to get baptized, and, and I don't want to. And I know y'all only do it out there at the creek and out there at the tank, and it's cold and this that, and that. Baptism don't have nothing to do with salvation. Yeah, baptism's a certain season here at Indian Gap because of the way the weather is. But salvation is never a certain season. Salvation is any day of the week, any hour of the week. It don't matter if it's what day, what day of the week. If it's a vacation, a holiday, whatever, any day you can get saved in Jesus Christ. There's no waiting. And this man was having to wait. Look at verse. 6. When Jesus saw him lie and knew they had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? I want to point out that Jesus Christ saw him and Jesus Christ went over to him. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Do you realize that Jesus Christ didn't have to stop and talk to him? It said there was a great multitude. Back in verse 3. Jesus could have stopped and talked to anybody because they couldn't have all got down into the pool. He could have talked to anybody. But he picked him and he went over to him and talked to him. Hey, if you're in here and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, He's not Jesus Christ is not behind me this morning. Jesus Christ is behind you. Amen. Jesus Christ is there for you. If you're in here and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, he doesn't care about the 99 sheep in here that are saved, that are, that are found. He's caring about the one sheep that's lost. That's where he is. And he's going and he's looking. He goes over to this man and he says, Hey, do you know? uh, Excuse me, I skipped over. He says, uh, He saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Verse 7. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled, to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. He says, I have no friends, I have no help, I have no man. Sir, I have no man. The interesting thing about that is that Jesus Christ asked him, wilt thou be made whole? He should have said yes. He should have said yes, I'll be made whole. Yes, I want to be healed. Yes, he should have said that to Jesus Christ. But see, he needs to change his way of thinking because in his mind, the only way he's going to be made whole is to get down into that pool. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. See, he needs to change his way of thinking. He's thinking that the only way he's going to get whole, the only way he's going to be saved is get down in the pool. And this man needs to change his way of thinking. He's thinking the wrong way. He thinks the only way he can get healed up is to get down in the pool. The answer should have been Yes. But waiting 38 years, this man has to be downtrodden. This man has to be given up. This man has to be kind of depressed, uh, down in the dumps. This man has to be thinking, man, this never going to happen. This is is never going to happen. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you've got some kind of illness or some kind of disease, it might never happen for you healing-wise. God might never, you might never get to the pool. You might never get healed completely. But you can get completely healed of your sin from Jesus Christ. And that is the most important thing I can tell you this morning. If I was to heal you up, Lord willing, if you were to come down, and I say I, but if me and you were to pray and the Lord was gracious enough to heal you up, and you were to get healed from whatever disease you had, if you didn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you would still go to a devil's hell. And what a waste, what a waste. (laughs) But if you were to have cancer and die with cancer, but be saved and have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, how much... How much better a life will you have? You have eternal life. You're either going to have eternal life or have no life without Jesus Christ. And I, 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 can't, get, I can't and, and part onto you enough. We put so much focus on this life we're living now. But what is this 70, 80, 90 years compared to eternity? It's nothing. It's nothing. This is just a little small moment. Guys, can y'all remember when you were a little baby? Very, very few of us can remember little, maybe maybe a little glimpse of when we were little bitty one and two and three years old. That's what this life is going to be. When we're in eternity, we won't remember all this nonsense. Nobody will care about this in eternity, a thousand, ten thousand years from now. You're not going to remember. It's all about Jesus Christ and the eternal life he's promised us. But we put such a focus on this life right now. And it's easy to do because we're living in the flesh and we're wanting to see it with our eyes and hear it with our ears and taste it with our mouth. But Jesus Christ is nothing about these things. He's all about spiritual things that you can't see, you can't taste, you can't hear. The infinite man answered him, Sir, I have no man. He has no friends. He has no help. This world is full of people like this. The world is full of people that have no help to get them to Jesus Christ. The world is full of, that's why we're sending out missionaries. Hey, Ending Gap, the area of Ending Gap Baptist, it's full of people that have no help to get them to Jesus Christ. Man, we, 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 they, they might know about Jesus Christ, they might know the story of Jesus Christ, but a man or a woman needs to come by and tell them, hey, I'm going to show you how you can come to Jesus Christ how you can receive that free gift of Jesus Christ. There's a world full of people like that. We're at work. We're at, uh, at the grocery store. We're at the gas pump, and there's people all around us that have no help. Sir, I have no man. I don't know where there's any... Uh, where, how do, I've heard of Jesus, but how, how do I get to Jesus? G- man, it's amazing when I get people to sit in a truck with me and ride with me at work, and I talk to them and witness to them about Jesus Christ. Grown men, 30, 40 years old, they don't, have a, they don't know no Bible. None. They, it's, it's amazing. Because it, we're getting to that generation that have not been raised in church. That's the generation we're getting into right now. So a lot of us are in. A lot of us, myself included, I'm in the generation where we were raised in church. We might not have been lost. We might have been hell raisers. We might have been wicked sinners. But our parents, they went to church and they made us go to church. And I would I would witness to people and they would say, "Well, I I was made to go to church. I'm not going to go to church now." So they were told the truth, they heard the truth. But now, I'm getting to that generation in, in their 20s that I talk to, they've never been to church. Not one time. <laughs> they've never ever been to church. And you know what's sad, guys? Is when these guys that, they, that finally do make it to church, what kind of church are they going into? The churches they're going into nowadays, they might not even present the gospel to them. We need to be a friend of these people Because they need help. Sir, I have no man. You can be that man. You can be that woman. Amen. You can be that. I have no man. Let me tell you something. If you say to me, I have no man, I have no friend, you do have a friend, a friend in Jesus. Jesus was a friend to sinners. You do have a man, and that man is Jesus Christ. He is the man. (laughs) He is that man. Sir, I have no... Verse 7. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. Yes, you do have a man. You have a man in Jesus Christ that loves you, that died for you, that wants to save you. You do have a man. You have a man named Jesus Christ. Jesus is... You say, I, I just need to get down to that pool. Jesus Christ is the living waters. Forget that old dirty, nasty pool. Jesus Christ is living waters. You don't only, not only have a man, you have living waters. Well, I need to be healed. You have the great physician standing right before you. The great man, Jesus Christ, known as the great physician. He's a healer. That's the man, Jesus Christ. Don't forget about our man, Jesus Christ. Nobody should be able to say, I have no man. They say it because they don't know they have a man in Jesus Christ. He is the man. He's the main man. I grew up around this uh, guy that was a, a youth minister, and that's why he used to say, hey, there's Keegan, my main man, my main man Keegan. And I was probably about 10 years old, and man, that meant the world to me. I didn't have a dad or anything. He'd say, that's, that's my main man, my main man Keegan. And oh, my old chest would stick out, you know, like I was somebody important. Man, when you get around Jesus Christ, he makes you feel important. Because, you know, here's the creator of the universe, and he loves me. He wants to be my friend. And I might be out... Laying in the bar ditches, but Jesus Christ will come by and he'll talk to you. And he'll see you, verse 6. And when Jesus saw him lie, he sees him laying there. And knew that he had been now in it a long time in that case. He saith unto him, "Wilt thou be made whole? And the infinite man answered him, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled, put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another step it down before me. Jesus saith unto him, verse 8. Rise, take up thy bed and walk, immediately, immediately, Jesus doesn't play around with you, if you come to him, and you say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, I I need to be saved, Jesus is going to save you right then, he ain't going to say, well, let me look at you, I need to examine you a little bit, you might not be good enough for my church, you might not be good enough for my body, you might not be, no, he never says that, (laughs) praise the Lord, he never says, well, let me look at your resume, bring me a resume, and I'll check your resume out, and then I might accept you, Thank God he doesn't do that. Amen. Thank God he doesn't say, well, let me let me look back on your past life and see if there's some things you did that's not going to be acceptable to me. Maybe you've done some things that's going to embarrass the church. If you get in around my, my other Christian brothers and sisters, you might get in there and you might embarrass them. Let me let me look at your resume. Let me look at your... Thank God he doesn't do that. Amen. Praise the Lord that he says, I just want to save you and let's, I'll save you right now. He doesn't wait. He doesn't wait to put you in, uh, put you in some kind of uh, plan to see if you're going to make it or not. I praise the Lord for that. Because I wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have let me in. He, if he he started looking into my background, he wouldn't let me in. Do you know how hard it is to get a job nowadays, a, a good paying job? They start checking your background now. We have a guy there at our, at our work that put in his two week notice and he was going to go work for this over-the-road truck driving company, and he was real excited, and we were giving him a hard time. And about a day or two, right before he left, he got a call from the company that hired him and said, Well, i got some bad news for you. We were doing a background check on you, and something red flagged, and there was a company you worked for years ago that you just walked off the job, and we're afraid you're going to do that to us, and we're just not going to hire you. I've already gave my two-week notice. Well, sorry. Click. So he had to run run to our boss and, please let me have my job back. I don't want to quit. I don't want to quit. And our boss was gracious enough to let him come back when he was about to leave in just one day or two. That's how the world does you. The world never says, well, maybe he's grown up since he did that. Maybe he's learned, to." uh, maybe he's got a family now and he knows better than that. No, the world don't look at it like, the world is cold. The world is Unforgiving. The world doesn't care about your problems. Well, they call you up, uh, we need this bill to be paid. Oh, well, you know, I just lost my job and my wife's been sick. You know, we need you to pay that bill, sir. The world don't care about your problems. The world don't care about your heartache and your sorrows. The world don't care if you're depressed. The world don't care about that. Jesus Christ cares. Jesus Christ cares about everything, and the Lord does not expect you to come down the aisle or get saved and expect you to do a background check on you to find out. He wants you just the way you are. And I don't want you to come up and say, well, Brother Keegan, I, I want to get saved, but I need to quit smoking, or I need to quit drinking, or I need to quit doing this. or I need. Don't worry. You don't need to quit doing nothing. You need to first realize that you're a sinner, that what you're doing is bad, But don't you try to straighten yourself out. You just come down the best way you know how. You allow Jesus Christ to save you. It's His job to clean you. It's not my job. It's not this church's job. It's the job of the Holy Spirit then to start living in you and you'll see a change in your life and He'll help clean you up. I'm not saying it's all going to go away. For some brothers and sisters, man, they get saved and they, they've never cussed another time. They never. It's amazing. How, but man, there's people like me that have gotten saved and I had to fight my mouth. I had to fight sins in my life. But boy, if you will seen where I'm at now compared to where I was when I first met Jesus Christ, I'm a whole lot cleaner. <laughs> but He's done it to me. The Lord's the one that cleaned me up. Not I didn't clean myself up. Don't believe in self reformation You're just going to fall flat on your face. Allow God to come into your life and clean you up. Verse 8, Jesus saith unto him, Rise, rise, take up thy bed and walk. Verse 9, and immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Man, I love that verse. It doesn't say that he, oh, he got up and his knees buckled and he, you know, I'll I'll try. And oh, and they had two men behind him holding just in case he fell back. And no, it says immediately he just jumped up and woohoo, let's go. He got his bed together. That's immediate healing. And that's what you get in Jesus Christ for your soul. When you allow Jesus Christ to come in and you you allow him to save you, it's immediate healing. It's a cleansing, it's a, it's a, there's a lifting up, a, a black cloud lifts off of you. It's an immediately, you, you feel your soul and your spirit are made whole. There's something that comes alive in you when you get saved. That You start living a different kind of life and you can't explain it. You just got to taste it. Amen. And it's immediately. Man, I love the Lord. The Lord works immediately. He doesn't wait around for stuff like this. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked and on the same day was the Sabbath. Look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here's a guy that's been, he's been sick 38 years, crippled. Jesus heals him immediately, and the religious people come around and say, That's not going to be good enough. You're doing it the wrong way. Get ready. If you're in here and you're a young Christian and you get saved, you're going to have all the kooks come out of the closet. All The uncles and the aunts, those old kooky uncle and aunts that are in the Jehovah's Witness or whatever stupid cult they're in, they're going to come out of the closet. Well, I just don't know if that's really what happened to you. It's just not that easy to get saved. There's things you need to do. Well, did you get baptized? Do you really know the real name of God? All those religious kooks will come out of the closet, just like they did this guy right here. Is is it really that easy? Yes, it really is that easy. (laughs) It's that easy to get saved. God didn't make it hard. Keep your hand here and turn to Acts chapter 16. I'm going to show you a verse to use. You ever run into one of these coops? I'm going to show you this verse right here. Acts chapter 16, verse 30. And I'm going to show you this verse and you just, just remember this verse and you can use it. Because they'll come out of the closet. They'll, these religious people will come out of the closet. They'll come up and they'll start showing up. They'll start telling you how you're doing it wrong. They'll say it's just not that simple. You need to be baptized. You need to join the church. You need to know the real name of God. You know God's real name. They have all these little kooky, uh, creepy things that they do. And they'll try to convince you that you didn't, do, you didn't get saved. That you need to do it their way. But let me show you the Bible way, okay? So you can, you can straighten them out. Verse 30, Acts chapter 16, verse 30. This is, the, this is the, this, the, uh, the, the, the jailer. This is the jailer. Look what the jailer asked Paul and Silas. He brought them out. The jailer brought them out. Look what the Philippian jailer says. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's the question. So you have anybody come up to you If it's a Jehovah's Witness, a Mormon, I don't care who it is. I don't care what denomination it is. I don't care if it's a Baptist, Southern. I don't care who it is. You just ask ask a simple question. What must I do to be saved? That's a real easy question to ask, right? Y'all can all remember that. Well, what do I do to be saved? Here's the answer. Verse 31. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved Amen. it's this that simple I had a guy that was working with us at, there at the city and he was uh, had a Jehovah's Witness there working with us too and that Jehovah's Witness was going every, every day at lunch a guy would go Jehovah's Witness would go out there and would talk to him and talk to him and talk to him and the, and the guy would come up to me and he said man he's talking to me and, and he's telling me this stuff and I'm kind of confused and I don't know what to say and he, he could tell there wasn't something right I said well I'll tell you what man ask him this ask him what, what do I do to get saved and I showed him this verse, and I said, Here's the simple answer right there. So he did it. <laughs> he did it to that guy. And that next, the next day at lunch, he did it to that guy. And a Jehovah's Witness said, Well, he, he said, Well, it's just, he said, Because it says here, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And he said, And that Jehovah's Witness says, Well, it's just not that easy. Yeah, it's just not that easy for you, because you're going to hell. It's that easy for a believer in Jesus Christ. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's why that's always above my head right there. It's just that simple. He that believeth is not condemned, Jesus said. He that believeth not is condemned already. It's all about belief. It's a simple belief. Because if it was baptism, if it was really you had to go get baptized to get saved, how many people would have trouble getting baptized? What if you were on a desert island and you're on a desert island and you, got, you received Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? How would you get baptized? There's no church of Christ minister there to baptize you. I guess you'd go to hell. How did the guy that's hanging on the cross next to Jesus Christ say, Lord, remember when you come to your kingdom and Jesus Christ says, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise? That guy didn't come off that cross and get baptized. He died right up there with Jesus. He believed. <laughs> He simply believed that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he believes he can save him. If you call out to Jesus Christ, the best way you know, knowing he can save you, I'm here to tell you, he will save you and it will be immediately. He wants to save you. But he's a gentleman. The Bible says in Revelation 3, he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. He's not going to just come barging in. He's going to knock. He's going to knock. Back in, back in John chapter 5. Back in John chapter 5. That's the verse to use, uh, brothers and sisters. It's that easy. But you have the religious people and they show up. And verse 10, the Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry that bed. See, they're making some kind of excuses. Go, I've got another question for you. Before we close up in this, I got another question for you. Where were these religious people when he needed somebody to get him down into the pool? He said, Sir, I have no man. Sir, I have nobody. Jesus says, You want to be whole? I have nobody to help me. These religious people were nowhere to be found. They were off living a religious life. They probably walked by and said, look at that cripple over there. You know, God did that to him. He did some kind of sin. That's why he's crippled. Do you know how they work? He's an old drunk. He's a druggie. She's just a whoremonger. Yeah, she's just a slut. That's just the way she is. They don't want to help her or him. They don't care. That's how religious people work. They're so self-righteous in their righteousness, they think you're down below them. Sir, I have no one. I have no man, he told Jesus. These religious people were nowhere to be found when he needed some help. God forbid we as Christians act religious. Amen. Are you so religious you won't get your hands dirty to help somebody that's poor, that's needy, that needs something? Do you walk by and you see somebody that's down and out, that's a drunk, that's a druggie, and you, won't, you should be telling them about Jesus Christ instead of turning your nose up? And walking the other way. Do you realize if you can get a hold of somebody who's a drug addict or a drunk or that's an adulteress or anybody that's living an awful wicked life. If you can get a hold of them and tell them about the saving power of Jesus Christ. And you can change their life. What you can do for the whole family. My mother was sitting there, she was unwed, had two kids out of wedlock. My mother was unwed, out of wedlock, had two little brats crawling around, and one day there was a preacher showed up at her house, at my mom's house, and said, Vicki, I want to talk to you about Jesus. And old Brother Packer said, when he told her that, he said, my mom's eyes, just tears started growing down her cheeks. And he came in the house, and he led my mom to Jesus Christ. And my mom started taking me to church. That preacher had the guts to come knock on the door and change the whole generation. Because he had the guts to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. I wouldn't be here if that pastor didn't come by and knock on that door. My mom would have died in sin. He, I would have probably grew up a druggie. And a, and there's no telling what would happened to me. But he had the courage to come by. And he changed the whole generation because she got saved. And you know what she started doing? She started taking this little brat to church. Guys, if you can touch one person with Jesus Christ, you'll change generations. (laughs) Man, we're talking about eternity too. We're not talking about just living in this world. We're talking about for eternity. Man, when we get up to heaven, we're going to never know until we get up to heaven the people we touch with the power of Jesus Christ, saving knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to get up in the heaven and we're going to be walking around in heaven and we're going to see a whole crowd come up there. Are you part of Indian Gap Baptist? like, oh, no, no, uh, no, I don't know if I am. Well, we're looking for him. Oh, well, uh, I think old Carolyn over there, I think she went to that church, you know. And you'll see him run over to Carolyn and say, we lived over in Peru. And you sent a missionary over to us. And our great-granddad got saved. And he started living for the Lord. And he started a church. And then it's going to be, you see where I'm going with this? And then you're going to want to run back over there. Oh, yeah, I was part of that church. I was part of that church. Guys, when you personally, personally get to witness and lead somebody to Jesus Christ, you're changing a whole world for somebody. Man, it's it's an amazing, it's an amazing feeling. Verse 11. He answered them. This is the man that was asked by the Jews. He answered them. He that made me whole, the same said unto me, take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they them, uh, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? He that was healed wist not who it was, didn't know who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. That's the saddest thing for a Christian not, not, not to know how to tell somebody else about Jesus Christ. See, so he got made whole, he got healed, and then he turned around and Jesus had went away. To me, that tells me that's a man that was touched by Jesus Christ, made whole by Jesus Christ, but didn't follow Jesus Christ. Stayed with the multitude. Because if he had been healed by Jesus Christ and made whole, he could have followed Jesus Christ out of the multitude. That's the saddest thing. For a Christian not to know how to tell somebody else about Jesus Christ. You got to check this morning who you're following. Are you following the news media? Are you following a are you following a, a, a political party? Are you quicker to say you're a Republican than you are to say you're a Christian? Are you quicker to say that you uh, are an American before you are to say you're a Christian? Who are you following? Are you following our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Or are you like this man here, just following the multitudes, even though you've been touched and made whole? Boy, it's quiet in here. Yeah. Amen, brother. Verse, verse 14, Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Let's see, this is the second time Jesus comes and finds him. That's your Savior. He's not going to leave you alone. You might be in the multitude and he might have left and you might not be following, but there'll be a small voice in you saying, what are you doing? You need to be going to church. You need to be living a better life. It'll just bug you. It'll just eat on you. And you'll get made whole and you'll get saved. And you'll go right back out out to the honky tonks. And you'll be sitting at the bar with your beard and you'll be going, I don't feel right in here anymore. What's wrong with me? The Holy Spirit, the whole time, you're not going to be in here. You shouldn't be in here. You're not supposed to be living this way. Yeah, you can get saved And start living with the multitude, but you'll never be happy. You'll never have that peace. You'll be missing out. And afterwards, verse 14, Afterwards Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more. Lest the worst thing come unto thee. Once a Christian is saved, he should try to live a sinless life. That's what Jesus is telling him. You know, once you're made whole, once you've saved, once you've received Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you should try to live a sinless life. Verse 15, and the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. So he goes and tells these religious leaders, these Jews, that was, his name was Jesus. Verse 16, and therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him. Why, why would they try to kill him? Because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. They're trying to kill Jesus because He's not doing it like they think He should be doing it. That's religious people for you. Some of the most religious people, Muslims, Islam, they'll kill you where you sit because you don't do it like they want you to do it. Guys, don't be religious. If you come across somebody that's not uh, serving Jesus Christ like you think, just leave it alone. If they want to talk to you about it, open a Bible. Show them where they're wrong. But don't try to kill them. We're not out to kill anybody. Amen? Amen. We're we're full of grace and mercy. We're out to help people out. If they're living, go ahead, let them live. They're going to have to answer to Jesus Christ. Go over here to this person that has no man. Sir, I have no man. Go over to them and tell them about Jesus Christ. Man, you can get caught up into arguing and arguing and arguing with people about Jesus Christ and how with these religious people and you'll waste your whole time and there's somebody over there dying and going to hell you're forgetting about. They sought to slay him. Religious people, they slay Jesus Christ in different ways. And I'm going to close by saying this. They try to slay him by slaying his deity. And what I mean by that is they try to take away the deity of Jesus Christ. They they try to slay Jesus Christ by saying, here's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and they will say to you, he's not the Son of God. He's not God manifest in flesh. And the whole time they don't realize it, but they're demoting Jesus Christ and they're slaying Jesus Christ. They're killing Jesus Christ. They'll try to slay Jesus Christ by slaying his importance. Oh yeah, Jesus Christ was a prophet. Yeah, Jesus Christ was a good man and a good teacher. But there's many saviors. There's many ways to go to heaven. There's many. That's slaying Jesus Christ, and I don't even realize they're doing it. And the third way they love to slay Jesus Christ is to try to slay him and to slay his saving power. And what I mean by that is, is that when it, when it comes to Jesus Christ, as they know all about Jesus Christ, but they don't want to admit that he's the only one that can save them. He's the most powerful. Savior in the world. There's no other Savior but Him. And religions will take Jesus Christ and they'll say, Oh yeah, well you know, Mary's up here too. And you, you pray to Mary and then she goes and tells Jesus and, and, and they're slaying Jesus Christ. And you'll talk to other religions and they'll say, like the Islam will say, Yeah, Jesus was a prophet and He was a good man. But there's many prophets and then they'll go off under there. Anybody that takes Jesus Christ and tries to bring Him down to here, is full of the devil. Because if you know anything about the Bible, is God from the Genesis all the way through Revelation, He take God takes Jesus Christ and gives him the preeminence. He's everything. He's everything. And we were reading about it, studying about it this morning in Sunday school. And when Jesus Christ turns into that lion, the tribe of Judah, boy, you want to watch out. Because you're either going to find out now or you'll find out later that he is King of kings and Lord of Lords. You know, I, I love reading these stories of Jesus Christ and how he heals people up and he comes by. You know why I love to hear that? Because it reminds me of my salvation. It reminds me of there was a time in my life where I was lost, I was unwhole, I was trying to get down into the pool and nobody would help me. And there was a man named Jesus Christ that came by and I asked him to save me and he saved me. And I've never been the same. Jesus Christ is the best thing that ever happened to me. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior will give you an opportunity this morning. If you're willing to admit, you know that he's, you know he's died on the cross for your sins, that he was buried and he rose on the third day. You know these things. And you believe them. And you're willing to repent. Repent simply means you turn from going this way to, and you turn back to God. You say, you know, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm going to hell and I need a Savior. When you know those three things and you pray, knowing Jesus Christ is alive, and say, Jesus Christ, will you please save me? I don't, I don't want to go to hell, Lord. Will you please save me? This is the best way you know how. He will save you, and he'll write your name in the Lamb's book of life, and you'll have a place waiting for you up in heaven, and you won't care how you're living in this life, because you know there's another day coming. There's Man, I, you know what I know about Christians that I run into, Christians that are, that are really, really sick that are about to die? You know what I found out? You know what almost every one of them say, say, says to me? I haven't known one that didn't say this to me. I'm ready to go home. I'm not afraid of death. I'm ready to go home and see Jesus. 18 year old boy I've had an 18 year old uh, boy about to die tell me that and I've had uh, a a 70 year old man tell me that guys when you know Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior this world just kind of gets a little bit dimmer and darker and heaven gets a lot brighter dear Heavenly Father thank you thank you that you love us and you, you come looking for us Father, thank you that this book is not about 99 found sheep, Lord God. It's about that one that's lost. Lord, we thank you, Father, that you just didn't wipe us out and start over, Lord, that you made a plan, and that plan included your son Jesus Christ dying on the cross. And, Father, you know we're just weak. We're weak in the flesh, Lord God, Father, but I pray to give us the courage to tell somebody else about Jesus Christ this week, Lord God, and we come across a way that we can encourage them in Jesus Christ, Lord, and we can realize that they just don't realize they don't have a man. But we have the man, and that man is your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for his living waters, and we thank you, Lord God, that he's a great physician. Father, thank you for making us whole in spirit and soul. And Lord, we're just ready to shed this old body. Get rid of it, Lord, and ready for you to give us a new body. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's have an invitation, Brother Matt. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas, and then you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter three, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world,